You are listening to the Quest for Wholeness podcast, a biopsychosocial spiritual guide. If you're interested in the human experience, health, wholeness, and how everything is interconnected, then you are in the right place. In this show, we will explore the interconnected realms of health that lead to whole human beings. My name is Lexi Burtz, and I'm passionate about holistic well-being, longevity, and I'm armed with an education in psychology. I'm so grateful to have you here with me. Welcome to a Quest for Wholeness podcast. Coming up on a Quest for Wholeness podcast. Nutrition is nutrition, right? They're kind of two separate categories. Like, yes, you, you need to go and train, but then on the nutrition standpoint of things, this is your fuel pretty much. Right. So, I mean, if you are a Ferrari, are you going to put 87 gasoline into your car? That's the <laughs> easiest analogy to think of. You don't want to do that. Right. Like if you were a Ferrari, you'd be like, I got to make sure I, I put in good quality fuel into my body. Now, why is this important? First of all, is because I mean, besides counting your calories, macronutrients, if you're doing that and um, the mind, just the mindful eating aspect of it is that you have to be able to get yourself to have optimal output. Meet Jason Tam a seasoned health and fitness coach with a wealth of experience spanning over 10 years. Jason's professional journey is rooted in a passion for holistic well-being, seamlessly integrating physical, mental, and emotional health into his approach, along with a focus on nutrition aimed at improving gut health. His holistic strategies empower busy professionals and high achievers to overcome challenges such as low energy, fat loss, better manage stress, and build sustainable habits that boost confidence for a lifetime. I feel like I'm going to be saying this a lot. Remember Max from episode four? This interview is also brought to you by Max, connecting me with such amazing people. Jason and I met and clicked over our degenerate raver days, our newfound love of rock climbing, and our shared love of books and reading. It's so awesome to meet people and just click with them over shared interests and have an instant friend. This episode perfectly encapsulates the mind-body connection, how eating food with others provides social nourishment, how eating in front of screens can actually inhibit our digestion, and how slowing down can actually help us meet our goals. Here we go with Jason Tam. Okay, Jason, so you're a coach and you're telling me right now that calorie counting and macro counting isn't potentially the best way to go about achieving your, um, you know, weight loss goals or body composition change goals. So what is? Okay, so I think there's layers to this, right? Because calorie counting, macronutrients, doing all that in the fitness realm, I think is a great tool, first of all. But the only problem that you're going to run into, actually not the only, is that most people are living super busy lifestyles. So the amount of time taken to, let's say, weigh every single meal, to count every single macronutrient, it's going to take a lot of time. Therefore, it's, it's got a higher learning curve. And then that's why people quit on it very quickly. So to answer your question, it's a great tool to have, but I would say intuitive eating is a little bit better. And even with intuitive eating, there's, there's also levels to it. Because if you look at nutrition, if I'm, a, if I'm a newbie, if I've never done anything nutrition related and I eat whatever I want, whenever I want, and just don't pay attention to it, if you're going to throw me on some sort of plan, it just becomes way too rigid, right? Way too structured. And it's very, it's very binary, right? It's like you're either doing it right or you're doing it wrong. And this is why there's, I think, a lot of struggle. There's a lot of frustration 
behind like nutrition and or diet culture if it's perceived um, incorrectly. So when we look at these levels now, my intuitive love, uh, eating in the beginning might just be, oh, generally eating whole foods, right? So if I was going to look at chicken, again, I'm just giving you an example here, right? Let's say I, I eat fried chicken because I go, oh, yeah, that's obviously chicken, right? But there's, there's layers to it, right? How is this chicken prepared? If I know fried is not necessarily the best, I just have to go one level better. Maybe a baked chicken is going to be better, right? With the fried chicken, maybe there's skin on it. Maybe I can have, have a baked chicken with skin, and then I can level that up and be like, okay, I'm going to take the skin away. So that's just like little pieces of intuitive eating. But when we talk about counting uh, calories, doing macros and whatnot, it's a great tool for people to improve their composition, to understand how much they're actually dialing into eating. And then you can actually level that up by taking that away. And you might think, okay, wait a minute. I'm so accurate with counting my macros and calories. How can it actually potentially be better? So this is the end of dependent on the individual now because if you had all the time in the world counting macros doing you know weighing your food tracking everything is easy for sure but that's not most people most people are probably you know having at least one full-time job if not a side hustle they probably have to take care of their significant other you know, family members, kids, dogs, whoever. And um, depending on where you're at in the season of life that you're in, you might also be taking care of your parents at this point. Because at least what I've noticed in the last year is I've ran into a lot of friends, um, family members, like acquaintances, where like I'm at that part, part of my life where it's like, wait a minute, people around us are getting more sick. They're getting more ill, which means that we only have 24 hours in a day. And part of our responsibility is to take care of other people. So back to what we're talking about in terms of the nutrition component, what can actually be better is that, sure, you can do some calorie counting macronutrients, but over time, you can actually turn that back into a much more intuitive approach because once you've practiced that enough times, you can probably look at a meal and go, that's probably eight ounces of protein. That's probably about a cup of rice. That's probably about three cups of vegetables, right? And now you've actually mastered looking at nutrition and you can now save time. And then the big picture is that by doing that, you'll automatically uh, have more energy, which grants you more time. And then now you can take care of others, right? And then, of course, with the, all, the rest of the combination of the more holistic approach to taking care of your health and wellness is to make sure that now you also have time to exercise. Now you're also more mindful with how you start to feel, right? So the layers of nutrition is not always just, hey, I'm eating this and I'm losing 20 pounds and I'm shredded. <laughs> Or, hey, I'm, I'm gradually gaining weight and I'm looking and feeling good. Um, part of that approach is important. But I think the other approach of how does this food make me feel is even more important. Because now you start diving into the realm of like your gut microbiome. Now the foods that you're eating are feeding the little microbes that are telling your brain how you feel. Because it's like if I, again, if I'm eating just a bunch of junk food, I probably feel like ass. I feel good for a short period of time, right? But then after a while, it's like, oh, now I'm lethargic. Now I'm tired, right? Maybe I'm I'm getting, you know, skin issues. Where in the past that was me, right? I would eat. Again, this is this is like my meathead days, where like I was just trying to gain weight as a kid because I was always a skinny kid and um and trying to gain weight during the the training days. And I would try to just cram everything in my body, and it's like I'd be bloated. I would have breakouts all the time. My skin would be like gross and oily. 
And that stuff I would, I would just neglect because I was just not informed, right? I was not aware, right? But, but I was thinking about what? I was thinking about this has high calories. I was counting my macros. I'm fitting my cookies and my chips in here. I'm getting all this kind of stuff, right? So really the next level is to utilize what you already know and just evolve it into, okay, it's not just the numbers game now. How is it making me feel? How is this impacting other areas of my life? So that's my take on the nutrition piece. I want to jump back to the intuitive eating piece because I think there's a lot of power in there. And it's funny, right? And I'm sure you can attest to this too. Sometimes when you take a break back from like controlling things and like hyper fixating on things, that's when you're actually going to meet your goals. And I wonder if that's partly taking like the stress that you're putting on yourself for like, oh shit, I need to like track this, you know, piece of cheese that I just had. So you go to the scale and you're like hyper fixated on these things. So when you, you start to cool it, then you're like, wow, I'm actually, I'm actually like seeing the changes that I want. But to jump back on the intuitive eating piece, I think that sounds so wonderful when we talk about intuitive eating. Wow. I'm just so in tune and I, I know what like I should be eating and I'm following that, but for a lot of people in our society who have been uh, influenced by diet culture, so everybody, being in tune with what's actually good for you, a lot of us aren't, I guess is what I'm saying. So how can we start to cultivate that relationship with intuitive eating? Because I think back to, you know, my early fitness days and when I was just kind of getting into all of this, my body's like telling me, uh, eat the sugar, eat the high carb things. That's what my intuition's kind of guiding me towards because that has been my eating patterns for decades, right? So what's the middle piece there from kind of shifting these really conditioned eating patterns? And there's emotional pieces in there, right? Like coping emotionally with food to becoming more in touch with your intuition to actually eat a more healthy diet? I love that question. And this is where I would uh, go against the grain where I think most people are thinking about the first thing you think about is remove bad foods. So, you know, you think about processed sugars, refined flours, all this kind of stuff where in the past you're conditioned to it because in the past we were children. We didn't have that many choices. Sometimes our parents would give into our demand and sometimes they wouldn't. And then that's a that's another level of a discussion we can talk about because conditioning with food is huge for upbringing. Um, but generally, when it came down to nutrition, instead of thinking about cutting things away, which most people are thinking about immediately, you actually want to add first, which goes against the grain because people are now thinking, okay, if I'm trying to eat better choices than one or let's say if the people that want to lose weight, inches or whatever, they think of less is better because I need to restrict, right? Problem with that is if you could, you can restrict for a bit, but if you go too extreme, you're going to bounce back and you're going to be like, I crave everything. So instead, uh, add in things first, which is um, a theory called crowding out, which means this mm. cookies, even though we not, we know are not good for you. Potato chips is not good for you. Everything is on the table. You can have it, but you must eat something that's good for you first. Now, why is this important? Because going back on your mi uh, microbiome, the little bugs in your stomach, when you eat, you're feeding them. So what happens now is that you can either feed it the, the food that the good bacteria can feed off of and the good bacteria can grow now, or you're feeding the bad bacteria. 
it's all it's all like a ratios game, right? Obviously, if you go to one extreme and you eat only good foods, that ratio of good to bad bacteria is going to be different as opposed to someone who eats the opposite. So when people get started, I would say, I would recommend to say, hey, eat better choices of food. Now ask yourself how you feel because of it. You might still be craving the junk because you're conditioned a certain way. But if you're trying to condition yourself to something new now, there needs to be, number one, the awareness piece that after you eat, how do you truly actually feel? Do you actually still crave what you crave? Or do you just, you know, do you just want to eat it for the sake of, of just the habit? So you have to get that comparison. Otherwise, if you just mindlessly eat, you're not going to even fe- know what that feels like. Mm. So over time, what starts to happen now is that you can create this comparison, right, of, if I ate something that was wholesome for me, maybe it's an assortment of different type of vegetables and a balanced meal that has some protein, a little bit of healthy fats in there, and maybe a little bit of whole grains, just stop for a moment and be like, okay, how full am I? How do I feel? How does this relate to my day-to-day activities as opposed to me just eating a cupcake or something like that? So, and I love that too. There's a couple of different um, courses that I've done on like emotional eating for like my own education and healing. And um, there was some things that they taught us to start to cultivate that relationship with your body, because I think a lot of people are like dissociated and aren't even thinking about what they're putting in their bodies, you know? So do you have any tips to how to get more in tune with your body and recognize those cues and those signals? Yeah, um, little things like after you eat, I think it starts off with the the habit of even how you're approaching your food in the first place. Before you even eat it, what is your environment you're in? This is a really good question because uh, I remember one of my clients, he's an accountant, super busy, always like thinking about work. And uh, this is how the story went. I remember we were on a coaching call and he's like, yeah, I just eat my lunch in front of the computer. I just constantly work. I said, you know what you need to do? You just go to your lunchroom and not work. And he's like, why? I said, because you're getting like a food coma after you eat. You're telling me you're not productive with your work. The problem is the environment. The workplace is usually, even if you loved your job, I think there's a level of a, like a stressor to it. It could be a good stress. It could be a bad stress, but it, it's still a layer of something that's there. Now, if you're working at the same time, you're not even present with what you're eating, first of all. So environment matters. Take away the environment. The way our nervous system works is that it's either sympathetic or parasympathetic. In other words, fight or flight or rest and digest. Rest and digest is exactly what it's supposed to be. So when you eat, first of all, the environment has to be an environment that you can actually rest and digest. So you have to be mindful of that. Next is how you actually eat your food. Are you just wolfing it all down because i used to be guilty of that like i used to just eat my food super quickly and what i've learned is after i eat super quickly i usually end up getting a food coma again depending on what the content of the food or what happens is my stomach gets it, it feels like it's almost like knotted up and i always get these like weird burps afterwards if you slow down your eating you're supposed to chew your food 30 to 40 times before you actually swallow it, which sometimes people go, that's a lot, lot. And then when they tell me that, I go, clearly we haven't, you know, we haven't chewed our food long enough then. So I tell them, try that out and actually, again, be in tune to see how, how you feel. And um, 
after that typically happens, people go, I'm not getting the food burps or the likelihood of getting a food coma starts to decrease. So they have to raise those little pieces of awareness first. And then um, the other component, the third one I would say is, uh, is your poop, <laughs> which surprisingly, some people are not even aware of it, right? So, I mean, when we look at your poop, you know, it can range from a normal looking log all the way to like liquid, which is diarrhea, or like you can't even get it out. Now, there's obviously different... Um, circumstances to why that might happen but being mindful of your poop can actually tell you like okay this is where your digestion is that how does this correlate to how you essentially feel yeah go check out the bristol stool chart it will inform yeah. you everything you need to numbers know about one your to poop. seven <laughs> yeah numbers one That's to right. seven the ideal one is your number four <laughs> exactly yeah i think there's just like so many pieces there of just like slowing down a little bit and hey that could be like the first piece of awareness is like slowing down at work and being like oh i'm gonna mindfully eat for like 15 minutes um so small things like that and even i know it's big in like um the blue zones, which I'm a huge fan of, but uh, a lot of those cultures who are uh, comprised of uh, centurions, so people who live to be over 100 in these isolated zones across the world, they all stop eating when they feel 80% full. So right. then that time when you're done all your food, you know, like you're, you've caught up and you're full, full, but you haven't exceeded your capacity. So I really like to keep that one in mind. And I love that you brought up um, not eating in front of screens. Like it's super simple, but I think we all get like caught up. We're like off work, we're like tired. We're like, oh, I'm just gonna eat in front of the couch or in front of the TV. But that has like consequence consequences on your literal digestion. And I don't think those pieces are being connected for people. So there's, there's more too. I forgot to mention this one, which was um, by giving yourself the opportunity to get off a screen whether that's your computer, your phone, or your TV, and you're and you actually sit down with yourself to eat, um, there's two there's two levels to this. Okay, because so if you're alone, the mindfulness can also be you paying attention to the taste and textures and consistencies of the food that you're actually eating. Because I mean, I mean, in my experience being a trainer, I've always like I've ran into that limiting belief where people say, "Oh, healthy food is so boring." yada yada it's like no first of all be mindful because you're probably just conditioned to what you're actually eating where most of the stuff that isn't necessarily good for you is super heavy in certain tastes and textures that, that's how they get you in the first place but did you know that you can actually do that with good quality foods too it's just you're you have to train yourself to do it which requires effort but most people they don't want to put the effort in place because it's just kind of an autopilot thing right so that's um that's if you're eating by yourself. The other component now is if you're eating with others, um, I think on a nourishment standpoint, I think. So this goes outside of the realm of just literally eating food. This is social nourishment now. Um, if you put too much weight on the food itself, it can potentially also have negative impact because when you add with other people, social nourishment, I think, should come first. Um, with with cultural influences, like every culture has food related to it. That's what brings people together. But if you only think about the food itself, it's like, wait a minute, there's a social level to it. And I think if you nourish yourself socially, for those out there who are like thinking about, okay, what about controlling portions when it comes down to intuitive eating? 
you will naturally control your portions in a social environment most of the time because your other glass, which is social nourishment, is now being filled as opposed to just the nutritional context of, of things. Same, same as saying like uh, when we were kids, a really good analogy is at least I can relate to this one was I remember as a kid, I would play at the playground. I'd be outside all the time. My mom would tell me to go in, to go eat. I didn't want to eat because I was having too much fun doing what I was doing outdoors, right? And I think with cultures nowadays, um, eating, like emotional eating and those type of challenges, they happen more frequently when you don't have these other modalities that are filling the glass for nourishment. I love that you touched on that too, because I think when people are embarking on this journey of, you know, nutrition and trying to get these things, you know, within their controllable range, that could be like a triggering thing. And people want to isolate themselves from like going out for dinner or going over to family's house because they can't like control these things. And hey, like I've been there. I've brought my little container of weighed out food to a family dinner and been like, this is what I'm eating. Okay. Um, and, And then there's that lack of um, engagement there, right? Because it's like, well, now I'm actually eating like a whole different meal than everybody. Well, you, get the, you get the engagement. You get this is the engagement you get. Okay, depending on the group of people you're with, you get the oh come on, you should just eat one of these. It's not <laughs> going to kill you, right? <laughs> or sometimes you also get like that silent judgment where there were people might be thinking, oh, she must think she's better than me or something like that because she's doing something good for her health. It goes both ways. Totally, totally. So just kind of like switching into kind of more of the fitness stuff too. I want to bring in the nutrition piece into this, but um, I saw you post, I think it was either today or yesterday about how important like nutrition actually is in achieving your fitness goals. Um, Mm -hmm. If you guys haven't followed Jason on Instagram, or I think you're active on LinkedIn too and Facebook, right? Yeah. Facebook, LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. He makes great digestible. TikTok. You have a TikTok too? I have a TikTok as well. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. He makes great digestible content. That's just like straightforward. So go follow him. But you were posting about how like 95% of our reaching our goals is done through nutrition. So could you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I think when someone's on this like fitness journey and maybe they're new, they're like, I got to show up in the gym and go hard. And there's, there's credibility to that. That is important too. But yeah, talk a little bit about the importance of nutrition. Well, I'm going to look at it in both ways. Cause I feel like with um, the fitness side of things, or oh, the physical activity, I would actually separate the two. Um, training's training. Nutrition is nutrition, right? They're kind of two separate categories. Like, yes, you, you need to go and train, but then on the nutrition standpoint of things, this is your fuel pretty much. Right. So, I mean, if you are a Ferrari, are you going to put 87 gasoline into your car? That's the <laughs> easiest analogy to think of. You don't want to do that. Right. Like if you were a Ferrari, you'd be like, I got to make sure I, I put in good quality fuel into my body. Now, why is this important? First of all, is because I mean, besides counting your calories, macronutrients, nutrients, if you're doing that and um, the mind, just the mindful eating aspect of it is that you have to be able to get yourself to have optimal output. So the reason why the categories of, you know, physical activity and nutrition, they're kind of separate pillars on their own, but you want both of them to be as efficient as possible now is that the engine is of the Ferrari is like, it's like your, your training, right? Your suspension, your brakes, all those components are like your training. 
because that's the actual output piece. But then now your nutrition is your fuel. If you're not getting the right type of fuel, the, the optimal amount now, sure. I mean, if you eat less, you can lose some weight, but you eventually will start eating away at some precious muscle. And then the downside of that now is now it's, it's going to impact your metabolism, which we hear a lot of times people go like, oh, my metabolism is, uh, sorry, metabolism is really slow and, and whatnot. Now, it's because, again, you might not be eating the right type of foods or in the right portions. And then now you go and if someone's not doing activity, they might just lose the weight. But then when it comes down to the, adding the physical activity in, you are using physical activity to get stronger over time. You're doing that to tear your body down, right? And the thing is that when you combine the two now with adequate rest, you can become stronger. You can grow more lean muscle mass. And then that actually ramps up your metabolism given the right portions and whatnot for what you exper experiment with. So in that analogy now, the third piece would be to make sure you have your recovery, which I, I feel a lot of times is often overlooked and uh, very underrated. At least for myself in the past, I'd be like, ah, I don't, need to, I don't need to sleep. I don't need to rest. I'll just keep going, right? Because again, if sometimes people just gauge themselves based off the energy level they have, or it's like they're taking additional supplements that have a copious amounts of stimulants in there that keep them going. But then that's really masking um, the nervous system and telling them that they're like, hey, we're actually tired, but the stims have actually blocked that response. So yeah, let's get of... into that recovery yeah, then. Yeah, since it's overlooked, you know, and I think uh, same, like just push through, just keep going. Um, it's easy. And again, coming back to kind of the society that we live in, everyone's drinking coffee throughout the day to get shit done. Well, now you have to go to the gym after work. So you'll just take a little bit of pre-workout or, or whatever that is. And I think that was a good point about masking the nervous system and what that's saying and if we're on this theme of being intuitive with our bodies that's a huge signal that we need to listen to and if we don't have you know clear messaging with that uh we're at a pretty big disadvantage i, I completely agree and that's the thing about the nervous system is that controls essentially everything so we talk about recovery um i mean i'm guilty in the past of like just trying to grind through everything and, and like try to will my way through certain things until, you know, you start actually listening to your body. Um, but when it comes down to the coffee piece, first of all, or caffeinated things, um, I would say caffeine or coffee is not necessarily bad. Um, first of all, it's a tool. Okay. It's, it can be a great tool, but it could also be a detrimental tool. And the reason why is because we circle back to the nervous system. If your nervous system is not recovered, now you're going to have lower energy levels. You're probably going to be grumpy. Again, those are like the symptoms that we feel. You're going to talk yourself out of the gym. Right? You could be making poor decisions. Right? You could be eating eating poorly. You can get inflammation from it, and it, it could go down that whole path. Right? But when that's not recovered, a lot of people are taking coffee as their go-to to ramp them up, thinking that it gives them more energy coffee or caffeine what it actually does is it actually just tells your body it blocks off the signal to tell you that you're actually tired so then now that's like all already at at a, at a deficit you're pulling it into deficit more and then now what happens is you're in this cycle where if you're not properly rested aka just go go to sleep earlier get the adequate amount of quality rest that you need which is like as human beings that's the most natural thing you can be doing so sometimes like what we hear is like you, you see supplements out there and you see all these certain things. It's like before you even go use these tools, 
you should be looking at your most general rest and recovery, which is, you know, eliminating screen time, making sure that you're getting adequate sleep, like seven to nine hours of quality sleep, right? making sure that you can actually switch your nervous system from a fight or flight into a rest and recovery state or rest and digest state, which it also includes like appropriate breath work too. Some people use meditation practices, other people use breath work, but it's like these are like proactive tools that don't cost you anything, but sometimes can be overlooked because of media, right? Everybody, every company is trying to sell you the latest and greatest like fix. That's like, yo, this isn't a powder. This isn't a pill. It's like, wait a minute here. Like we just go to bed. <laughs> That's funny that you brought that up. And I think it's on the theme because I wanted to talk to you about, um, how we can make these like pretty significant changes or even cultivating this awareness on these simple things that are free. Because like you were saying, there's like these supplements or whatever selling us the the quick fix. And I'm just thinking of like Ozempic. I think that whole thing is really big right now for like weight loss. And there's, you know, pros and cons with that too. So what, what would you say to people who want to make healthy and like positive changes for the long term and really buying in on that versus something that might just be available to them quickly? Okay, I'm going to give you an analogy because I I like that question quite a bit. And um, since we're on the topic of like overall, like health and wellness, creating, um, that more intuitive approach on how we feel about ourselves. And we talked about the pillars of like your physical activity. We talked about your pillar of nutrition and your recovery. Now the phone is the analogy. Okay. You wake up with a 5% charge on your phone and you have a busy day ahead of you. The first thing you're probably thinking about is fuck. <laughs> like I'm stressed out now. Cause it's like, if I have a lot of meetings to go to, if I have a lot of people I need to contact and people need to contact me, and I don't have access to a charger and my day's like just starting. That's another thing that you just have to start dealing with. And you have a very low battery charge for the day. So the first thing is you have to go charge your battery. What are people doing when they don't have the recovery in place? The analogy is that they wake up freaking tired. They take their double shot espresso and that's what's going to boost their battery for the day. But it's putting them in a deficit. So the analogy is that you have to charge your own mental battery first because we have a finite amount of bandwidth for the whole day. It all starts with your mental energy. That's going to create the appropriate willpower for what you have to do whatever you got to do. So the first thing is, is recovery and actually to position your day backwards. So this is what I teach for my clients because most people think is they wake up, they go, that's the start of my day. And then I'm going to go do X, Y, Z things. I'm going to knock off whatever, you know, relationship things I need to do with my family, myself, um, my health related things, get my workout in, make sure that I have the proper meals in place, drink enough water, whatever that is, make sure that I will crush my, you know, career based goals, like whatever it is for your business, or if you're if you're an um, if you're employed or, or whatnot. So that's how they think their days go. But it actually starts before you actually even go to bed. So that's mm-hmm. the approach I like to use is what are you doing before bed? Because you need to charge the batteries. No different than let's go on a road trip, guys. And uh, it, it starts tomorrow morning, but we pack nothing. Oh, the car <laughs> has no gas. It's, or if it's an electric car, we don't have a charge. Right. So now what you've just done is on this road trip, this amazing journey you want to go on. You're not even prepared. So you're like three hours behind schedule. 
Right? So I like to approach it as before you go to bed, what are the appropriate things that you need to do to set yourself up? Because you need to charge that battery so you can take on the next conscious hours that you're pretty much up for. That analogy, bang on. Like, you, you wouldn't, okay, I wouldn't dare start a road trip without anything packed or any preparation. Also, some people again, love that, my... though. I get it. Oh, some, I get it. Not... People like the spontaneity. But I think I would <laughs> no. get stressed out if I thought about that. I'd be like, wait. I need to Even get now, something like... prepared. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I just love that analogy. And what I'm, like, hearing, too, as this conversation is going on is this mind-body connection. And I know um, there's a lot to be said about the mind-muscle connection in exercise. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a great place to kind of wrap up the episode, too, is cultivating that relationship between your mind and your body. We spend so much time in our heads throughout the day. And what I'm hearing to gather this intuition is to really cultivate a relationship between those two. A hundred percent. I agree. And I love that you just brought that comparison up, which is why I think it's actually, first of all, crucial that everybody needs to do physical activity because like you said, we spend a lot of time in our own heads, but how many, how often are you actually spending time in your body as well? Hence my body. Right. We're, we're always in our head. If we're sitting down, days going by, whatever. But if you're not moving around, you're not in your body. The general basis is that you have to have awareness on both levels. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you play video games or anything, but I love to use video game I, analogies. I play Brawlhalla and I'm really good at it. And that's just like the one game. It's kind of like Super, Super Mario, like where you're fighting and battling. It's my one game. I'm good at it, and I don't explore other ones. But 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 these games hold on. Does, is there is there any sort of like key element where it allows you to kind of level up a little bit? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I mean. Though every game that gets gamified, um, or thing that gets gamified, there's always a, a key component that allows you to kind of level up, right? Like with working out, what do we always hear? Reps, weight sets are the common things that. People are thinking about, oh, I'm going to add more weight to the bar. I'm going to do another rep. I'm going to go decrease my rest. Before you do any of that kind of stuff, it starts off with awareness and how you feel in your own body. Right? And if you, and if you think about that mind-muscle connection, you want to start paying attention to how you feel in the movement first, as opposed to just, let me just do the reps. Let me just do the weight, which I think people are conditioned with thinking about. Because, I mean, if you've had a trainer in the past before or you see exercise programs the numerical thing that's tangible is always like the weights the rest the sets and then people get so fixated on it you can't put a tangible number on really how you feel but you have to have that component first right no different than the the mind experience is like if you're tired are you going to rate yourself a two out of ten i mean you could have a sliding scale if you have enough data but generally speaking like people will use a word like I'm tired today or I am exhausted today. There's like levels to it, but it's just described in a specific word. Right. So when it comes down to like this whole mind body experience combined, it's, it's a combination of being mindful with your, your day to day when you're not active. Right. That includes your eating, how you feel in those regards. Um, and then on the physical aspect of it is like when you're doing movement, feel your body move, like what, what area are you putting weight into on the ground? 
where are your hands if your hands are on the ground, right? Where is the pressure that you're applying onto surfaces? And that will actually give you immediate feedback on like which muscles now will fire. And then besides thinking about just your reps and everything and your sets, then you can put it all together over time. I think too many people are so caught up with the end result of an outcome that they skip the journey. I know it sounds cliche because it's like coming from the fitness world realm. We talk <laughs> about that. That same journey is no different than if you are in a workout. That same journey is no different than the day-to-day to-do things that you have to be doing, but still being mindful with it, right? Because most people just think this is a task I'm going to do when it's done off my list. Check. It felt good to do it. But it's like, what about the act of doing? Are you being mindful in that process? And just kind of, you know, going back to like exercising too, right? When we're trying to like level up, we're like, oh, more reps or more weight. But that actually can be detrimental sometimes. I think that's where people can hurt themselves, right? Uh, Ego lifting, I'm just thinking of specifically. But you're like, oh, you know, like I hit a new PR. I'm doing great. But if you're actually more in tune with your body and the muscle activation, and as you said, those places where you're pushing, you know, putting pressure into the ground or the bar or whatever it is, that can actually reach you, bring you closer to your goals by just being more mindful and like activating the muscles with a lower weight specifically. I agree. Um, I think the ego lifting one's pretty interesting because I think controlled ego lifting Mm, yes good point okay so there's a time and place for ego lifting because i feel like if you need the moment to really amp yourself up assuming that you have the you know technique down yes and you're just looking to like smash something that day and you really needed that great but then if it's like like you said if i don't have the awareness of certain things i'm just chasing numbers the form's not necessarily there then i would refrain from that and just work on like that skill in its own and i think also with fitness that's that's one of the things that that people may overlook is that every within the the training program or the exercises you have put together you're trying to level up the skill in how you're moving first and then and you could put little markers on there where it's like it's not always about the the weight or the reps what about the range, right? If you can only squat, you know, 90 degrees because your hips are so tight, your ankles are so tight, you can add more weight, but you're not getting any deeper. And it's the same saying, right? What you don't use, you start to lose. And we live in first world countries where we're both sitting on a chair right now. Right? <laughs> and most people who, who are so used to sitting on a chair, if they're not active, they usually can't squat all the way down. But if you look at you no, know, like you said, places in the blue zones or even third world countries. These people are sitting all the way, like squatting ass to grass all the time. And they don't have many physical issues in that regard because they're constantly utilizing their body to that degree. So that's why when we look at, you know, exercise, it's not always about the typical rep sets, right? And, and weight, but maybe dialing in on, can I get into these ranges that I'm not used to getting into first? And then how far does the ceiling or how high does the ceiling get now if I've explored these ranges before adding more weight? Because, you know, you see those, the, the, you've seen it on IG where it's like this person squatting like six plates or they're on the leg press and they're moving like two inches. It's like, what are we doing here? 
And I love that range of motion thing too. And like flexibility, that's something I'm focusing on this year. Cause man, I got the tightest hips in the world, but is you know, the blue zone. And all that, is it flexibility or is it mobility? Those are two different things though. Yeah. It's mobility. It's a hundred percent mobility. Yeah. Yeah. But the blue zones, right? There's this great documentary on the blue zones on Netflix that I would recommend everyone yeah. check out. And uh, they just show how the older adults, so 70 plus, they're like squatting or they're like lifting things up and down so much throughout the day. So I think by focusing on those things and like making your workouts count, you're bringing that into the rest of your life and the benefits just like move out beyond your hour that you spent at the gym, but into like lifting your children up and down or being able to carry and lift things. Like for me, that's, that's something I value. I don't wait for my boyfriend to help me move shit, which damages things sometimes. <laughs> but I like to be strong enough to be able to do shit on my own. So I it think makes you feel more confident too, right? Confident and confident. Yeah. Right? You don't want to rely on yeah. other people. Exactly. Exactly. So as we wrap up here, Jason, what piece of wisdom can you offer our listeners as they embark on their quest for wholeness? Um my piece of wisdom, I think, is it comes from a thing that I reflected on myself actually in 2023, which is last year, which is um, slow down, actually slow the fuck down, um, which sometimes people will be like, no, I, I don't want to slow down. I'm going to keep going because there's so many things I have to do. I, I'm too busy. But it's like when you're too busy, you're not even connected to yourself anymore. You're just in a reactionary state, which I have been in in the past. And it's like it wasn't until I slowed down and actually took that breather right literally to be like wait a minute here like how am i feeling with this is this even and then you ask yourself the questions after you slow down is this actually in alignment with what is important to me yes or no because most of the time we're just we're just going we say yes too often and not no enough time so slow down because even in any activity the the cliche saying is slow is smooth and smooth is fast Right. And I'm a firm believer of that. Right. Cause I picked up, I picked up jujitsu again not too long ago. And it's like the awareness piece was like, you get so frantic when someone's trying to choke you out. But it's like, wait, you can slow down for a second and just open your eyes and breathe and figure out where you are, even if you're in a shitty position and see what opportunities are there for you to try to get out of those situations. But if you just constantly in a reactionary state, yeah, you're eventually going to get choked out. <laughs> you can't choke yourself out. I think that's a great metaphor for life because uh can attest, you know, life sometimes will have you in a chokehold and you're just yeah. like, oh my God, frantic energy, right? But that's a Correct. that's good insight. Slow down, everyone. Yeah, slow down because it helps speed up later on. Thank you for joining me on this adventure today. If you're interested in learning more about holistic health or have topics that you'd like to hear on the show, Connect with me over on Instagram at Quest for Wholeness Podcast. That's all one word, Quest for Wholeness Podcast. I'll see you next time to continue our shared quest for wholeness.